Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. Hi everyone and welcome to Beyond Markets. My name is Perlin Wong and I'm Head Investment Promotion and Solutions Asia at Julius Baer. Joining me are Cesare Valegia, Senior Portfolio Manager, Global Excellence Strategies, and Chen Jiazhi, Head Next Generation Fund Management at Julius Baer. Hi, Cesare and Jiazhi. Thank you both for joining us today. Hi, Perlin. Hello, Perlin. Well, 2022 was an exceptional year for the equity markets. Economic growth declined and inflation skyrocketed which led to a decline in equity valuations. As we enter 2023, hopes are high that this year will be better and free of disruptive surprises. Yet, the market appears to be pricing in an economic slowdown, and companies are continuing to lower their earnings forecasts for this year. So how should investors then approach equity investing this year? While our experts believe that quality defensive stocks are likely to outperform in 2023. Cesare, could you tell us a little bit more about quality investing to help to demystify it for our listeners? Certainly, Berlin. Quality investing is an investment strategy based on a set of clearly defined fundamental criteria, including the balance sheet strength, high free cash flow generation through an entire economic cycle. While I admit these attributes were not helping much last year, that was basic for the higher valuation of this stock were trading, they will at this stage of economic cycle as investors seek places that are relatively speaking more secure to be in. These are also attractive attributes in a period of low macroeconomic growth. I see. But what about then defensive quality companies? What are these and how do we know if a company fits the bill? Some of the traits of defensive quality company are that as an enduring brand, they can enjoy pricing power with strong customer loyalty, enjoy high demand for its product, and in most cases they can count on a recurring revenue stream, which is going to be there regardless of the economic is in a contraction or in an expansion. Think about the services that you have to pay to run your elevator or the spare parts that the aerospace industry need to purchase to bring their planes in the air. Or broadly said, the pharma industry, which has in, we have increased exposure to the pharma industry over the course of last year. The product acceptance of the pharma industry, the pipeline, plays a major role for the stock price than, let's say, the economic uh, leading indicator, which are all pointing south then that's actually quite a high bar to live up to be a defensive quality company. But if we were to look at 2023 across the entire universe, what companies in your view will outperform this year? I think the best way is probably to have a barbell approach. You need to have those pharma company in your portfolio. But remember that the best time to buy quality cyclical stock is when everyone is scared to touch them which usually occur in time where the leading indicator are sub-50, which means in a contraction territory. And this is now. So I like, for instance, semiconductor stock, which has a disproportionate exposure to the industrial real. There is a lot to like there. 
Uh, industrial automation is in the early innings of an adoption. There's inflation, there are wage costs increasing, deglobalization happening all over the world. All these forces will accelerate that trend toward automation. So the beauty is that the industry, the semiconductor industry, has already consolidated significantly. So there's only few leaders out there that you can invest there. So this is uh, our investment approach works at best. Thanks, Cesare. Now you have touched upon companies which will, in your view, outperform in 2023, which is quality cyclicals. Now let's look into investment solutions that are evergreen or that can weather cyclical trends. And now would be the perfect opportunity to introduce our second guest speaker, Tiachi. Tiachi's expertise is in identifying secular growth themes that will do well in the future. Could you tell us more about this, Tiachi? Yeah. We map the future into five key themes which should benefit from secular growth, namely a rising Asia, digital disruption, energy transition, feeding the world, and shifting lifestyles. These mega trends speak for themselves. Our investment process is to identify structurally growing industries with low levels of rivalry, along with the winning companies within them, say winners of tomorrow. But we don't invest in loss-making growth companies. That's the reason why we outperform certain high-growth ETF by a very large margin. Neither investing in hype. For example, we never invest in plant-based meat themes. Although we have maintained the same five mega trends, the sub themes are evolving as we add new investable sub themes over time. For instance, we added 5G and Internet of Things in 2020, food tech in 2021, secular economy, and agriculture logistics last year. I see. So you focused on thematic secular growth investments and also look at certain timings uh, in terms of when you can invest in these with a very bird's eye view. That's great. But are there any, any, any particular themes that you like right now? And maybe you could shed a bit of light as to why you like them right now. We like a lot cloud computing and AI and the digital disruption, digital health and genomics under shipping lifestyles. Though the pandemic has accelerated the adoption of these technologies, we still see further room to grow. They are still well supported by structural tailwinds. The cloud allowed firms to run technology infrastructure at lower prices. Leveraged within the cloud, machine learning-based solutions are applied to big data, obtaining new insights and increasing the automation of tasks in the services sector. In terms of digital health, an aging population and a higher incidence of chronic diseases are driving up medical costs around the world at an increasingly unsustainable rate. Adopting digital technologies could transform the healthcare industry and lower the healthcare cost in the decades to come. On genomics, considering around 6,000 known and treatable diseases in the world today, medical breakthroughs in the field of genomics could help solve the mysteries of some of these health conditions at the molecular level and raise hopes of finding personalized cures for patients. Last but not least, in order to feed the world post-2050, farm production will have to double. Seed technology and fertilizers are crucial to raise agriculture productivity. Hence, we also like feeding the world agriculture fertilizer sub and other parts of food value chain. Thank you. That's really very interesting. 
I just also want to mention uh, to our listeners that in 2023, um, our research experts, you know, within part of Market Outlook, have identified energy transition as a next generation theme likely to do well. Last year, uh, many of us would have noticed that the energy or oil and gas sector was actually the best performing one with a very good and high absolute positive return due to the global energy crisis after the start of the war between Ukraine and Russia. Tiaju, do you think that what happened last year will slow down the energy transition from fossil fuels to new sources of energy? In our view, not at all. In some countries, the governments have decided to double down on the investments in clean energy. However, despite significant investment into renewable energy sources in the past few years, the system was not yet ready to entirely absorb the shock of being cut off Russian supplies, which raises concern about energy security and energy affordability. This is the first time in our history that we are trying to replace existing energy sources. The challenge here is that the legacy energy supply machine has to keep running and continue to be maintained while the new system is being built, be it solar energy, wind power, or nuclear power. Well, then which would be your areas of focus within the broader energy transition theme and why? Well, we focus on clean energy, cleaner China, and circular economy. We like nuclear power in the clean energy space as it is more reliable and cost-efficient. Some countries will prolong the use of nuclear power or restart them like in Japan. On cleaner China, the country has set the target of CO2 emission peak in 2030 and net zero emission in 2060. Thanks to the policy support and the global drive towards a greener world, China becomes a leader in global supply chain of renewables, such as solar panels and wind turbines. We also initiated a new sub-theme circular economy last year with focus on waste to energy, from landfill waste to renewable gas. Finally, future mobility sub-theme. The transport business appears to be just at the beginning of the period of profound change. In the first wave, electrical cars adoption, and in the second wave, autonomous driving could revolutionize mobility turning cars into something anyone can use at any time. Well, Tiaxia, you have touched upon future mobility as a sub-theme. Algilis Bear research analysts have predicted exponential growth for electric vehicles from 2020 to 2040, and for autonomous driving to really take off from 2030 onwards. How would you and how do you invest in this future mobility theme in order to take advantage of this secular trend? Perlin, as you know, the average modern car needs between 1,400 and 1,500 semiconductor chips. Some have as many as 3,000. These chips are used to control everything from emission system to driver assist systems, making them an essential part of vehicle production. As such, we invest in tech suppliers, i.e. semiconductors such as silicon carbide, so-called SIC which helps to achieve longer driving ranges and faster charging. We also see some supply bottleneck in battery-related materials of lithium and cobalt. According to McKinsey, the global battery demand is expected to grow by around 30% annually by 2030, 
and the battery value chain is expected to increase by as much as 10 times during the same period. Currently, about 70% of global lithium production is concentrated in Australia and Chile, so these countries have an outsized impact on supply. Similarly, the majority of global cobalt production is in Congo, where its extraction has been a source of controversy. In addition, our analyst also expects that copper supplies will structurally fall short of demand until the mid of 2030s. I see. Um, that's really very interesting and insightful sharing on that. Now let me ask Cesare on this. What do you think are the advantages of a regional slash global approach to investing versus a thematic approach? What do you think are the advantages in 2023 and also for the longer run? I will say the broader spectrum that can a global product offering for a portfolio manager, fund manager, you have a much more flexibility to invest, which is, I think it's very important. Thematic fund have a narrower focus and there are situations which teams may take time to play out. Um, think about the global pharma, very specific. The sector was trading at discount 10-15% of the overall market for a prolonged period of time. And that may happen that investor may be frustrating and sell the, the product exactly at the time when it started to work, when it, as it was the case last year. The pharma sector is part of our universe and uh, has been part of our portfolio as well for a long time. So it, it has worked maybe at the time you, you were not expecting to, to think. So this is flexibility, certainly very important. The same can be said for the region. If you're owning emerging market fund has been detrimental for your performance in the recent year. We have been mainly in the U.S. for 80% of our allocation. However, uh, in the recent time, we have increased exposure to emerging market through uh, actual Western companies to take advantage of the recovery that's going to happen out there. So I think flexibility is a very important for a fund manager, and, that's, and therefore global products are attractive. I have one more question for both of you, which is a little bit out of the box. What do you think will be the big surprises in 2023? Maybe, Teatri, we can start with you. Okay, for me, the big surprises in 2023 would be there is no economic recession in the U.S., mm-hmm. inflation resurges again, and the Fed has to tighten more, and also maybe geopolitical risk easing instead of rising. And Cesare, what about you? Well, a surprise has to be out of consensus to be a surprise. So I think investors will turn more positive on the equity market once the earnings season will start soon, because this is the time where corporates will provide the outlook for 2023. And ironically, as more conservative that is going to be, the better it is for the stock market. The investor want a reset on earnings outlook and want to have a base where they can start making their own assumption with respect to long-term earnings. So they need a reset. Uh, Once this is going to happen, I think we'll be favored. The second aspect which plays in favor of the equity market is that the second part of last year has been extremely poor. So the comparison year-over-year growth will be much more realistic or it will be looks much better as we enter the part of the year. But the market uh, will discount that well in advance, at least six months advance, which will be maybe a year. So this is a surprise for me. Okay, great. That, that sounds actually like quite a positive surprise. Wonderful. And thank you to Cesare and Teachu for sharing your insights on equity investing for this year, 2023. To our listeners, for more insights into our Market Outlook 2023 themes and ideas, please continue to tune in to our upcoming Beyond Markets episodes where we will have 
more experts coming in to share uh, our top views for the year. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we wish all of you, our listeners, a healthy and prosperous start to the new year. Thank you for tuning in and goodbye. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective. Whether it's starting a business, preparing for retirement, or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.